The following message is distributed by the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City. More information is available at our website, www.slcevfree.org. If you'll turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Let's pray. Lord, again, I just thank you for your word, for your scripture. I thank you that it is written to me just as much as it is written to the people that the letters are addressed to that even to this day you speak through this Bible, through these teachings, through these words, and that it's life-changing. Lord, just be with us today as we take a look at your scripture to see what it is that you're calling us to be, to see how you're working in our lives, Lord, to just fall at the awe of the amazingness of who you are. I pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Am I going to be ringing like the whole time? That's fine. I listen to loud music. I hear ringing a lot. So. The passage we're actually going to spend the majority of our focus on is in Colossians. It's uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The reason I wanted to start with that Corinthians passage is because Paul is just talking about how God's wisdom is far beyond any other wisdom that you can find here. Or what's intelligent, or what we, when we look at people who we view as intelligent, God just turns that into foolishness. I'm glad to have this opportunity to, to talk to you guys I love to do this, and at the same time, I dread it. And uh, in particular, I wasn't looking forward to it this time because Thursday afternoon, Steve and I have a meeting where we usually talk about ministry things. And he knocked on the door. I thought, looked up, saw the time it was, thought I was late. And he's like, hey, you want to preach? Because I'm going home. I'm sick. I'm like, super. Uh, (laughs) So then on Friday for parent-teacher conferences, I saw his wife and asked her how he was doing. And she said, oh, he seems to be getting a little bit better. And then she asked me, well, how do you prepare for a sermon in two and a half days? And I found out how. I do the same thing, just a lot faster. (laughs) And um, I just hope that when I'm speaking to you guys that there's clarity of thought. Because another thing that I've been having some fun with is not sleeping that much. So... Steve likes to say observations, 
after he reads. Hopefully they're observations and not rants today as I go. So let's take a look at this passage in Colossians, which we've been working through when Steve's been absent from the pulpit. Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 and 5. I'm reading out of the New American Standard. Paul writes to those people. He says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in the true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ Himself, in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in the body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and your stability of your faith in Christ. So I was reading through this passage, preparing for this, and I was trying to figure out what to say, because this is basically Paul's conclusion of the first part of this passage, of this, of this book. So if you were here a couple weeks ago, one of our elders, Charlie, shared the prior verses, and this is kind of wrapping up a lot of what Charlie touched on it was about two weeks ago, I believe, and some of the other things that myself and Don have shared while Stevie's been gone. And one of the things that stuck out in my mind as I read through this, God's mystery. And it was, I guess, God's providence, if you will, in my class for Sunday school today, we were talking about there's things that happen in the Christian body that I can't explain. The only thing I can say, it's because I know Jesus. It's because God's power somehow works in this body that we can come together. We can love one another. We can do things that when the rest of the world looks at us and says, how do you do that? My only response is, oh, God. So I want to take a look at some of the ways that God's mystery is revealed to us in our lives and how it should affect us. So the very first one, I'm not starting this in the very first verse. I'm actually skipping down a little bit here to uh, verse 2, kind of the second half of it. When he says, true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself. So if we're to take a look at any ways that God's mystery is manifested in our lives, we need to take a look at the manifestation of Christ's wisdom and His knowledge, which is Jesus Christ. If you take Christ out of the picture, if you diminish His role in the Gospel, you don't have a Gospel anymore. You have something else. It was funny because, again... I'm rushing through this trying to get this, and I almost completely skipped this point. That Christ is God's manifestation of His mystery, 
of His power, of His wisdom, of His knowledge. There could be no appreciation or manifestation of divine wisdom and knowledge apart from a personal knowledge of Christ. If you don't know Christ, you don't know God's power. You don't know His wisdom. Continues, Paul continues in verse 3. He says, In Christ, in whom, in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When Paul's saying that these treasures are hidden, he doesn't mean that they're completely concealed, that there's no way of finding them. Because even just a few verses earlier, he says that God's mysteries have been revealed to His saints. If you're a believer, that's you. You're a saint. That's who He's talking to. And He's saying it's revealed. So what, what, what does Paul mean when He's saying they're hidden in Him? He's basically saying that these mysteries are deposited in Christ. He's kind of the holding place for them. The wealth of God was lavished in amazing ways through Christ. And we have the opportunity to take part in that. We get to see through Christ gifts that I'll have, gifts that I can have right now. We get to see amazing ways to live. We get to see the power of God and I get to partake in that. Those are treasures that were hidden in Christ that when I look at Christ, they're revealed to me. The things I get to, to take part in. We're reading this book as a staff called The Cross in Christian Ministry by Dr. Carson. And in it, he he's focuses on Corinthians in particular. But what he says here about Paul's journey and his teachings talks just as much to this scripture as it does anything else. And he says in the book, Paul does not want people to think that the gospel is nothing more than a philosophical system, a supremely wise system that standards are over against the folly of others. It's far more. Human wisdom, is utterly, human wisdom utterly fails to deal with human need. God himself has to take action. When we're impotent, when it comes to dealing with human need, God needs to take action. When we're impotent, when it comes to dealing with sin and being reconciled to God, that's where God's potent power comes in. Human folly and human wisdom are equally unable to achieve what God has accomplished at the cross. The gospel is not simply good advice, nor is it good news about God's power. The gospel is God's power. To those who believe. The place where God supremely destroyed all human arrogance and pretension is at the cross. You think you have wisdom? You think you have power? You have none of that if you have no Christ. If Christ is the power and you're lowering Him, you don't have all the power. You're missing out. The gospel message in Christ is wisdom. To the world, they look at us and they're like, you 
are following the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But if you bathe yourself in that stupidity, amazing things are manifested in your life. So the first one that I already kind of talked through, that first manifestation of God's wisdom is Christ. If Christ is manifested into your life, some amazing things happen. Another, the second manifestation of God's mystery in our lives should be to have encouraged or strengthened hearts. Jump up to the beginning of verse 2. He says that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. The whole purpose of Paul's apostolic journeys, his teachings, was to deal with the heart. The heart, to him, when he's writing these things, the heart is the center of man. It's where your personality is. It's, it's your source of will, your emotion, your, your affections. And his whole goal was to either transform the heart or strengthen the hearts of believers. How are the hearts strengthened? He says right here, having been knit together in love. Being knit together with other believers is what he's saying. I find strength because I have you as my community strengthening me. When I'm knit together with other believers, I'm not just knit together with my wife or with Pastor Steve or with Kim or, you know, Darrell or whoever it is in this body. I'm actually knit together with the whole body of Christ. So, did you catch that? I'm not just knit together with you. I'm actually knit together with Christ because you guys are His body. But that's not just it. We also find strength because as we're being knit together, we're working together to find the full assurance that we have. This is a verse that everybody knows from Proverbs. You know, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens a man. It's the times when we can be knit together in a community of love that I can be taught, I can be rebuked, I can be challenged in my mindset so that I can come and have a full understanding of this great hope that we have. You might be thinking, and maybe this was just me thinking it late at night as I was going through this, that it seems like I'm putting a lot of emphasis on what the people can do for me. And I'm kind of diminishing Christ. Well, I, I'm not. Because do you, my brothers and sisters, encourage me? Yes, but what are you encouraging me with? With the gospel. With Jesus. I love that. I love that I'm not just getting patted on the back saying, oh, I'm sorry, Kurt, life's rough. Do you guys help me to obtain the full knowledge? Yes, because questions are asked. 
But this knowledge of Christ and the gospel gives me an encouragement. It gives me strength that this world cannot understand. When you guys lose your job, is your heart encouraged? When your tests come back negative, where are you finding courage and strength? When your money evaporates with the rest of the economy, where are you finding your strength? When a child, your child, is taken away before you think they should be, where are you finding encouragement? When life throws whatever it can at you, where is your heart finding its strength? This is an awesome thing. Because when the world looks at us and they say, how can you still have this joy? What do you say? It's Christ in me that I have this joy. It's wisdom you can't understand because you're dead to it. But I want you to think this question. Ask this of yourself. Where do you take your heart to find strength? Where do you take your heart to find encouragement? If you go into Barnes & Noble, one of the biggest sections is self-help. Because people, people don't take it to Christ. They take it to some book. They take it to a person. The thing that's amazing to me is when you go into Christian bookstores, that section's getting bigger every week now. The self-help area. Who are we putting our trust in? Who are we knit together with? You might say you're knit together with Christ. You might say that you're working within the body, but you're not. If you're just showing up here and then leaving and having no part with the body, are you knit together with it? I know sometimes when I am faced with trials and struggles and my heart needs to be encouraged, it's scary for me to say, okay, God, it's all you. But that's exactly what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to let go, saying, you don't need to hold it all. You have this community. And this community is held together by me. Give it up. Let go. Again, the only way that I can explain this to anybody is to say to them, look. Just look at us. Listen to us. Watch us. And you'll see. Because I can't sit here and explain it in words. But I sure hope if you're saying to someone, look, listen, and see... You are saying, I find my joy in Christ. When the whole world wants to get me down and discourage me, I don't need to be discouraged because I know Christ made his promises. I know that Christ has power. I know that God understands and has this all under control. So I can be encouraged to know that I am a child of that God.
another manifestation of God's mystery in our lives is steadfastness. Now the people that Paul is writing to, the Colossians, um, their church is in a valley and there's a couple other churches. Laodicea is one that he mentions here. These, these people were being faced with a heresy that was leading them away from the truth. It was distorting the gospel message. You actually read about the church of Laodicea later in Revelations. They're the ones who are lukewarm. So you can check that out to find out a little bit more about what's going on. But um, these people, are they're, they're getting a message that is watering down the gospel or saying, you know, there, there's other knowledge that you need to know that isn't being revealed to you by the teachings of Paul or other apostles. The other thing that is going on, there's, there's kind of like this Jewish mysticism occurring in that area as well. So besides having to know this other knowledge, there's these certain rituals or things that you need to perform to get closer to God. We're bombarded by these same kind of persuasive arguments today. I'm reading this book called The Real Jesus, and one of the first arguments is that archaeologists are finding these new books, like maybe you've heard the Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of Mary or some of these other things, and they're saying these books show the real Jesus and the Bible doesn't. Well, archaeologists, at least the educated ones, are like, that book's written way after anything that happened in the Bible. And even the context of what they're talking about, Jewish people didn't do that. People living in this time didn't do that. These books are written. There, there's no backing to them. Maybe this is a popular one. If Christians were not so judgmental, if we maybe kind of opened our minds a little bit, more people would be comfortable coming here. Nothing has divided humankind more than the cross. There's not a gray line that wiggles around here. You either are or you aren't. So some other ones, you know, Christianity can't be the only way to heaven. What's Jesus say? He's the way. He's the truth. No one comes to the Father except through Him. If we're depreciating who Christ is, we give away the inheritance that we have. To search other sources of knowledge apart from Christ is a useless enterprise. Paul says right here, the treasure is Christ. The treasure of all that God is, is found in Christ. He's the one holding it, but yet we go running off somewhere else. We do that, don't we? Sometimes we do it because someone throws out an idea. Maybe I'm the only one who does this. There are times I don't think of Jesus. Someone throws something, I'm like, hey, that sounds good, and then I go, and then after I'm already going down, I'm like, wait a minute. This doesn't seem to connect with him. I'm sorry, I can't go this way anymore. 
Or we look at the world and it's just, they're having so much fun out there. And I have to sit here. Or I have to do that. It looks so much better over there, so I'm going to go with the world. Or the opinion of your coworkers, your family members, matter more to you than Christ. So you know that he's the truth, but you don't want to follow him because someone might laugh or call you weak. I love that one. Here's my first tangent. (laughs) Who cares? Honestly, who cares? My wife, her dad, and I, when we first met, did not mix. And uh, we shared a lot about our faith and things like that with him. He's not a believer. And he would always say, well, you know, religion's for the weak. I'm like, you're right. I'm weak. But I can see that. Who's weaker? Who cares what the world thinks? Who cares what's popular? Why are we trying to appease or please other things that aren't God? But we do that. We do it all the time. We're bombarded by these arguments. Verse 4 and 5 of Colossians. Paul says, I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I'm absent in the body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and your stability in your faith. I say this so that no one will delude you. What is this that he's saying? It's everything else he's already said in this passage. I loved when I got to this part because I can start talking about the hope that I enjoyed talking about a couple of weeks back. He's pretty much saying, hey, everything else I've said in this letter, the Lord's revealed his mystery to you through Christ. Because of Christ, we have this hope. And this is a hope in the, not just the future, but a hope that we have right now. You won't be deluded because you have your hope in the right thing. Do you guys have hope right now? If you do, you can shake your head, yes. I have hope now because I know that my God is all-knowing. I have hope right now because I know he doesn't change. I have hope right now because I know he loves. I have hope right now because I know that Christ took the punishment that is deserving to me. I have hope right now because the Spirit lives in me. I have hope right now because I've seen God change me and I've seen God change the people around me. I have hope right now because I have eternal life right now. I have hope because the God who rules over everything, who's created everything, loves me. If we're hoping in this great hope, you won't be moved. You won't be deluded. You won't be led astray. You won't let these arguments distract you. If Christ is your center and you just find this amazing desire and delight when you're with Him, 
You won't be distracted by these persuasive arguments. I spent a few years as a sprinter, and I read that I'm not the only one who's ever done this. If any of you guys have ever been sprinters or runners, okay, you got that goal. You got your lane, there's the finish line, and you go. Everything else is a blur. Sometimes sound goes away. Everything else is foggy except for your lane. You know, I'm reading about the sprinters in the Olympics and they talk about tunnel vision. Like people are falling and tripping next to them as they're jumping over the hurdles. They don't even know. They're just going and going. There's tunnel vision and that's what he's saying. If you have this hope, you're so steadfast, all these other things just fly by you. They won't even distract you because you're set firm in this hope. You're set firm in the real knowledge, not of this world, but of the one who created all-knowing, all-knowledge, all-information. The information you're getting right now, if you're getting anything from me, not new to God. The better that you know Him, the more focused that you are on Him, when He becomes your center, you're not going to be led astray. Stability comes from the hope that you have in Christ. Stability comes from knowing that the power and the wisdom, things that I can't explain fully, I get to partake in. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, my message were not with plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and of power. I don't know about you, but when it comes to clinging to something, especially when holding on to that affects my life, I don't want it to be plausible. I don't want it to be like, well, that might hold you. Why don't you try and jump and see? I know the Spirit, I've seen the power. It's not a plausibility to me, it's a fact. I'll jump on that thing all day long. I'll get as many people as I can to cling on to that thing. Because that's, it's not a plausible, it's not, it's not a, a possible, plausible, it sounds good, so let's just keep going with this argument because it makes more sense. The thing I love about God is He doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I was talking to my friend Adam in Sunday school. I know without a fact that I'm forgiven because of Christ doesn't always make sense to me. I know it's true because it's the only thing that could work. It's amazing. It's amazing that I can love my enemy. Doesn't make sense to me, but I do it. Can't deny that. And when the world looks at me, they're saying, no, we need to find some other way of explaining it. We need to make up something. But as soon as they do that, who are they taking out of the equation? You take out Christ. 
If you take out any aspect of Christ, you don't have Christ anymore. The only way God's mystery will be revealed to you is if you give Him your life. If you take Christ. It's the only way this mystery will make any sense. I've known the Lord for a little while now, and there's still aspects of it that I can't understand. But I know it to be true because when my mouth opens, somehow the right words come out. When someone's in need, I'm there to help them, even though there have been times they've hurt me. And I can sit and list all the things they've ever done wrong. I find joy when everybody else around me has none. Galatians 2.20 says, excuse me, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. How do you stay steadfast? It's not your own actions. It's Christ living in you. If Christ is truly living in you, why would Christ want you to go the wrong way? If Christ is living in you, those distractions, those persuasive arguments, you just laugh at them. Because Christ is in you saying, you got to be kidding me. You can't think that this is actually what's going on here. If you no longer live and it's Christ living in you, these great mystery of God is no mystery and it will manifest itself in your life in ways that can only be explained as I once was lost but now I'm found let's pray Lord You amaze me. I get lost in just the awe of how you work. You take me. I'm fallen. I'm finite. I'm full of sin. And you work some amazing, beautiful things through myself, through this body that you've given us. Lord, I just pray that we can continue to cling to Christ. He's the mystery to the rest of the world, but you have revealed him to us that we may know and not just know, but understand all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, be able to partake 
and have the same power that you gave Christ. Lord, we have an amazing hope because of your redemptive acts. I just pray that we can cling to these hope, that we can just grab onto them so that when persuasive arguments, when temptation comes, we are centered, we will not get pulled off. Lord, help this body to knit together in love, which you call your perfect bond, so that we can encourage each other with this great, amazing mystery. Lord, I just pray these things in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message recorded at the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City in Salt Lake City, Utah. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. We invite you to visit our website at www.slcevfree.org or call us directly at area code 801-943-0091. Our mailing address is... Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City, 6515 South Lion Lane, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84121.